You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! This is Benny Goodman, and you're listening to 2020 with Corey Peza and Siobhan Cronin. And this week, uh, we got one in the archives with our good buddy, Angel Vivaldi. Not to be confused with the dead composer that you probably don't know about. This is an incredible uh, episode for me because he's just such an encyclopedia of information. Like, so much great. Is that condescending? <laughs> what? What would I <laughs> that nobody knows about. No, no, no. They don't know about Vivaldi. Yeah, I've given up on the world caring about classical music at this point. We got the cooler Vivaldi, I think. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but Angel uh, comes on. He drops knowledge bombs left and right. If you're like trying to, uh, you know, be a DIY musician or just do anything on your own. Just anyone wanting to learn about building a brand, honestly, it doesn't matter what industry. It's such useful information. What you're going to learn is you should just chop him up and snort him and then you can become anything you want to be too. Because Angel Vivaldi literally runs on life. He's like, honestly, the thing that's great about him is his story is so inspiring. And the fact is he literally, he makes me like tired just talking about what he does. I was going to say he has more energy than you and and somehow is way less annoying well that's because he's fabulous <laughs> right. well he's fabulous he's fit he's like super organized he just like makes you want to get up and do something well i think that's annoying i'll be honest with you i he's been posting a lot of stuff to instagram lately where it's like him all jacked and like i don't want to see that like thank you for reiterating how out of shape i am and my my poor self body image Angel Vivaldi with your fucking gains. Yeah, meanwhile, jerk. we're vitamin D deficient inside <laughs> studios all day long. So, like, yeah. who even knows? And also, after you uh, listen to the episode, make sure you check out Angel uh, on the Lost Symphony Chapter 1 record. He plays on a song called Lacrimosa, and it's beautiful. He also posted a video to his YouTube of the performance, and it's amazing. And you should probably go to 2020-d.com if you actually want to watch what you're hearing. I mean, I don't know why you'd want to, but if you do, if you want to see what actually goes down, go and subscribe to our YouTube. It's all on there. Cause I, I mean, you don't, you're like me. You don't want to fucking hyperlink. Is it a hyperlink now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One quick note. Uh, we referenced another episode with our buddy Rodolfo Zuniga, who is the drummer for Julio Iglesias. And uh, so that's coming out soon. Uh, so stay tuned for that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, that Rodolfo is like one of my dear friends and he is yeah. so talented. So that'll be out. That'll be out in a few weeks. But um, right now we got Angel Vivaldi, who I consider to be an American treasure, despite really technically was it is it like a province of the United States, Puerto Rico? Is it like um, is it is it like a zone? This is why we play music and don't teach history. An archipelago. Yes. Yeah, okay. you're just listen to Angel talk. You learn <laughs> something good. not from us. <laughs> Without further ado, I'd like to say welcome to 2020. I am Benny Goodman over there in the, is that a Guns N' Roses shirt there? 
Cool. We're wearing yep. like the, the 1991 <laughs> Guns N' Roses Metallica lineup. Probably the same shirts. And we got Siobhan Cronin down there. And I'm so happy. You didn't say my name, but that's cool. <laughs> Corey Peza. Corey Peza, <laughs> five and seven o'clock shows. Just friends. CoreyPeza.com. And then right. we have the one, the only, the incredible guitar player. But I don't want to relegate him to just being a guitar player because he's more than that. He does so much for this fucking planet. Angel Vivaldi! Woo! What's going on, guys? How are you? Welcome. Glad to be here. Good to see you. Pleasure's all mine, man. How's everyone doing? You know, Pretty good. Awesome, man. <laughs> it's 2020. So happy to see you. That you can actually get audio, because we were just talking before. We all got 2020 because Angel has some crazy audio thing that, like, he was, I just saw him, like, my, like what the... Yeah, and then yeah. Siobhan just got this crazy Zoom thing, and she's like, it's "Yeah, it's like Star Wars. I, I don't know what this all this does." <laughs> I can only relate this to the end of Aliens when Sigourney Weaver's going up the elevator, <laughs> and there's just flames coming, and you know the mother alien's coming, and then the, the ship's coming, but it's like the mother alien's coming, and, the, and there's all this fucking steam, and then you just see. Yeah, yeah. Is there gonna be time? And that's how I feel because Angel's so fucking busy just to get him on the show. I don't even know if we'll get 37 minutes out of this guy. This no, you will, you will. Oh man. I'm happy to. I'm paying for the whole hour. Yeah. <laughs> I'll leave it on the nightstand. I'll send you an invoice. <laughs> Talk to my manager. <laughs> so Angel, welcome to our podcast and uh Thank you for being a part of this, and thank you for being a part of Lost Symphony, which is our sponsor. Yeah, of course. Woo! Oh my gosh, I didn't pick up my CD. It's over there. Very important. <laughs> Love it. Yes. So how how has 2020 been treating you? Because that's kind of the, our first question usually. I mean, to be honest, you know, seven uh, percent of me feels a little guilty saying this, but I've honestly never been better. <laughs> um, you know, aside from um, not being able to train at the gym, my life hasn't changed too too much. I am uh, quite the homebody, and uh, being uh, raised in the House of Marines, I was kind of built for this kind of shit, so, you know, it was more a matter of adapting and um, just really, uh, you know, because I feel like it was a domino effect with a lot of people's time and a lot of artists' time. We've been given time. So being that so many people were given so much time that they didn't account for previously, you know, a lot of people started uh, pulling the trigger on projects that they kind of had on the back burner and um, being that as it is, uh, I was contacted by a lot of artists who wanted like guest solos or um, a lot of artists actually, uh, the bulk of my time has been doing a lot of the consultations my, with my agency and um, with that alone, man, my God, it was- What is that? What's, what consultations are these? Yeah, like yeah. can you please plug something so we can like, I mean, with the seven people that watch us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, so, oh, six minus my mom. <laughs> six minus your mom, that's a given though. <laughs> Uh, we got at least 13 views out of her, so like, that was cool. Well, oh you, yeah, you, got the, you get the repeats, you know, yeah. the repeat. Yeah, and then there's Anne-Marie, Siobhan's mom, she's at least 10 views. So. Oh my God, yeah. 10 views before her bottle of wine, and then afterwards, she's like, oh, I never saw this. Yeah, my mom, my mom might like have the bottle of wine and just kind of play it as she's knocked out, you know, just to give us that one view. <laughs> you know, just to kind of come through for us. But, um, but yeah, so approximately, uh, God, man. I would say sometime at the end of 2017, um, along with guitar lessons, you know, because here's the thing with guitar lessons and stuff like that, enough's enough. There's so many resources for that. And um, yeah. while I do enjoy it, um, I felt like 
a lot of my expertise could be very beneficial for artists in many other ways that isn't really offered. So, um, you know, being that I've been in the industry as a DIY, you know, do-it-yourself, self-managed artist since 2003. Um, Can well, I interject? Yeah. You make me tired. I watch you all the fucking time on the internet. And like, and I don't mean this in a bad way at all. Like, I can't follow all the things you're doing for humanity. Oh, like, thanks, if it's man. not telling people how to clean your house, <laughs> to decorate your fucking room, to how to like do a proper video, to like don't put it online if you don't if you can't do it. For sure. To like just fashion, to like, you know, stuff for the LBGTQ plus community. Yeah. yeah. Shit about guitars. <laughs> like I literally I there's I don't know how you even fucking sleep. I feel like like you gotta be on marine time, like you were alluding to because dude, yeah. you're in great shape. You look like always chimmed and all that sort of stuff, and you're killing it on the guitar, and then like feeding deers and like homeless children. Hard to keep like up. what the fuck, dude? Yeah, you are Can like you the ultimate example. Else? Yeah. Oh, thank you guys so much, and I really and I value all your opinions, and and it really means a lot to me. I think that uh, you know, it's funny, and even with the conversations, it kind of spiraled beautifully out of control. So. I'll try to make this short. So long story short, um, DeMarzio asked me to do a photo shoot for them last August, and that was a huge dream of mine ever since I was a kid. I've been following Laura DeMarzio's photography, and Tony Sarstino is his stylist, and he's, you know, every, all the DeMarzio photo shoots you see, Vi, Satriani, Tony styles them. And um, they asked me to do this shoot last year, and I was like, oh, it's time, you know, and I wanted to make it the best shoot that he's ever done. So. I went to the gym, I got an amazing coach, and you know, I made a lot of progress, we did the shoot, and then it was a matter of establishing a new goal if I wanted to continue with the fitness. And what happened was, um, I was actually training for a bodybuilding competition that I was gonna be doing this June, which obviously that went to shit. But um, through the consultations, it went a lot, like so far beyond just artists and musicians. Like right now, I'm working with uh, two fitness apparel companies, um, two really high-end boutique hair salons, uh, one seamstress that I work with on and off, and believe it or not, I actually worked with a psychic for a little while. So it's a matter of if you can understand the industry as far as like each individual uh, industry and how they brand and, and what really captivates people. It's, it's really interesting because what winds up happening is once I start helping all of these different people, I get better at it for myself and other artists. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like this cycle of, you know, uh, ebb and flow, like, all right, well, branding and marketing, it's, you know, obviously you want to be where people are, which is online, especially nowadays, because where are we going? So, and- Hold on, can I, I, yeah. I want to interrupt you again, because that's kind of how I do it on this show. Yeah. So would it be fair to say that you're like the American Ninja Warrior of guitar right now? <laughs> because like, I feel like you've made it all the way to Mount Midoriyami or some shit. <laughs> And you're like climbing. And, no, but I'm just saying. We don't like, know, dude, Angel. We don't the, know. All the shit. If you've not seen American Ninja Warrior, it's got its own channel on Pluto TV. If you yeah, haven't seen man. that shit, fucking watch it. It's free. It's awesome. <laughs> but like, I just feel like you do so much shit and it's amazing mm -hmm. because, you know, where there's a lot of people, I see them on my Facebook feed and we're yeah. Facebook friends. I feel special. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's people that going, I've watched. The Sopranos 17 times. And like, yes, it's a good show, but like, yeah. can't you do something with your time? Yeah. And I feel like even if you did have the amount of time that most of us do that are, you know, designed to be smart and quarantining ourselves, yeah, for sure. um, still don't have time to do what you're doing. I don't think, you know what the thing is, it's not a matter of time. Like, you know, this is what I tell artists in consultations too. It's like, you know, if you want to be like a famous rock musician, 
a part of you has to want to eat shit and sleep in a van and struggle and not have any type of stability because if you don't mm -hmm. want that struggle to some extent for really two reasons a once you do get the fame you're, it's not going to be feel like for me at least it's not going to feel validated because it was kind of given to you it came too easy you don't feel like you earned it so i feel like with a bit, a bit of a struggle you know it kind of warrants whatever level of success you end up getting you know but it's a matter of also um just being open-minded you know i mean i never really thought that i would like get into videography and and web design and constant and all these different things that i do but the way I'd explain is like this, right? So, you know this. Musicians these days, if you want to be successful, like, pff, good luck just being a musician. You have to wear many, 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 many hats. Yep. So, if I were to look at my music career like a tree, right? Depending on how well you take care of that tree, it's going to branch off into all these other things. And luckily for me, all these other things, you know, not only provide me a creative outlet. Is this is a jazz hands tree? Jazz hands, bitch. That's how we are, <laughs> you know? <laughs> But because it kind of expands, it, it allows me not only to get better, you know, as a skill set, but it also gives me supplemental income that I can then feed into all the expensive ideas and the $400 shirts that I want to wear for a video one time, you know? I've seen your videos and I've seen your shirts and they're outrageous. But also outrageous part. What kind of fucking batteries does that shit take, dude? Well, we run it on a generator. And by the yeah. way, we have to talk about, no, so I wanted to talk about your, your Charvel shoot where we're yeah. talking about where you are dressed, you can, you can talk about this. Mm -hmm. there's, there's two sides to you. Oh, I was going to say, I, I went back to the 80s because I wanted to say, like, you know, there's such a big difference. But I realized that the side of you that looks masculine and jacked is a way different than the, all the 80s ads because that side of you actually looks more accurate to me. <laughs> To what Charvel was doing in 1987. Yeah, man. It's like, that's even smaller than CeCe DeVille. You know what I mean? Like, you're not even at CeCe level there, dude. Yeah, man, that was... Um... So tell, tell them what I'm talking about, because if our listeners and our viewers don't know what we're talking about, Corey will probably superimpose this picture, but there's a beautiful picture of you with your custom guitar. <laughs> yeah, man. So here's... And, and I'm glad you're giving me the opportunity to explain this, because there's, there's a couple of puns that went over people's heads. So, long story short, Charvel blessed- They usually do. They yeah. usually do, I know, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. But not your mom, she knows what's up. She's on the up and up, <laughs> she knows what's good. But, um, so long story short, uh, you know, Charvel, uh, we established my first signature guitar called the Nova, I believe in 2018. The next year we did the same model in a different color. And when we did this color, I was trying to think of like the different ad campaigns that could make it different, you know? Because the first one's definitely very, uh, outlandish and very bright and obnoxious it's green and gold and then another one you it's know, fucking cool looking let I me think tell it's you gorgeous. that's a very classic looking guitar for being an outrage because i'm not into the shredder charvel kind of thing okay yeah. i'm just gonna say it. Uh -huh. but that is a beautiful like my i start to salivate when i look at that guitar because <laughs> mm -hmm. it's beautiful all the angles all the co the colors mm -hmm. and like you could tell Someone with really good taste put this thing together. <laughs> and it wasn't some, like, it's not like Warren D. Martini from Warren. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, I think that, you know, even that those type of models have their time in place, and that's what makes them successful for that era. Um, I think what makes it nice is that it's very muted, you know, and it's kind of like a modern take on something, just a little bit bolder. But, um, you know, when it came time to do the second one, I wanted to do something really creative as far as, like, the a yin and yang, you know, and... Um, so I decided to kind of, um, embrace this part of me that, that I always wanted to delve into because, uh, 
you know, I love special effects makeup. I watch a lot of makeup artists. I think it's really fascinating and I always wanted to do like a full shoot and drag. I mean like- You just want to be a production company yourself. Just do it well, You're going to clone yourself <laughs> and you're just going to make a giant production company and be like, work, bitch, we're, is. We're, it's in the works, baby. It's in the works, man. And it'll be that best production company ever. Yeah, man. But yeah, so long story short, uh, I did this shoot where, you know, half of me was very masculine, very Halford, you know, black and gold to match the newer model, which the theme is black and gold, and the other one was very green, well, like a sage and gold. And the sage and gold side was the side that I had, you know, I, I, you know, I posed with the drag. And um, man, I'll tell you, dude, it was, um, small percentage of me was very nervous for obvious reasons. Granted, I know my fan base in particular, they're very inquisitive, very open-minded, intelligent, you know, accepting people. Um, but of course, you're which gonna... is because of your background, which we're going to have to get into because pe people don't know your story. It's very inspiring, mm -hmm. and we're going to want to get into that. But yeah, I, I want to get to. I that. won't digress into that yet, but I, I want you to know that you're on notice. We want to know about where you came from because it's a really, really, really cool story. Oh, for sure, man. I'm happy to yeah. share it, definitely. And uh, but luckily, you know, once I released the ad campaigns of you know me half in drag and half you know super masculine, I mean. It, I feel like I wanted to call Guinness Book of World Records because it was the first time that I posted something. I feel like anyone's posted something that brave online and didn't get one negative comment. Like, I swear to God, I didn't have to. That's amazing. That's wonderful. I just so, thank I you. I thought I trolled you on that. I didn't, I didn't troll you on that one. <laughs> Maybe it was I here. I like, didn't put it here. Who's D. Snyder, you know, on that side? Yeah, man. But in way better shape. For sure, dude. And, uh, but you know, I will say one thing. Um, the. The second, so I put a documentary together around that. So it's called uh, Becoming Nova. And um, so here's the thing that went over people's heads. Now, uh, when I was thinking I needed a drag name, I was like, oh, I have to think of a drag name. For two weeks I spent like obsessing over this. And obviously the whole premise of me doing this is around the Nova, you know, my signature guitar. So then I came up with the, with the drag name. I was like, Novagina. Get out of here. It's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. And I like I I had to explain it to people. People didn't get it cuz I feel like it was just too much. I felt like it was distracting. It was like it's me and drag. The photos were were really, you know, had a great team. I looked I looked incredible, my God, he... You, you, you did They look They incredible. did such an incredible And I can't job. wait for, for Corey to have that, that picture up because it, yeah. it is an it'll, incredible, it'll don't worry. Yeah. ballsy <laughs> picture. And also an equally ballsy guitar that's, that is, knows no genre. It's kind of cool. It seems, it seems like a lot of the things you do have multiple layers, uh, especially, mm -hmm. you know, you have the puns and you have the different imagery and you have the music. And I think one of the other things, you do your... Uh, your your album was away with words, right? Right. I think that's clever as hell too. Is that something you consider? Do you always try to go layers deep when you're working on this stuff? The funny thing is, is, is this. So like my, some of my biggest influences in, in general, uh, Nine Inch Nails, Bjork, and Tori Amos. Um, so especially with Bjork, like being so visual and, and Trent being so visual, I mean, I love artists who put a tremendous amount of thought into this stuff. So that's the reason why I do concept records. I mean, whether it's like universal language when I did like a Martian winter, like a, a season on every planet mm -hmm. for four planets. And then uh, Away With Words, there's a part one and part two. Um, and obviously all the songs are in Morse code. And you're gonna get a kick. I have the track listing works out for part two because part two isn't yeah. out yet, but it will be out yeah, next yeah. year. 
Um, and then obviously with Synapse was the neurotransmitters and, you know, painting my mm -hmm. studio a bunch of different colors and writing. It's kind of like, I guess, like method writing, if you would, if you would. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and I already have like the next two concept albums after we're with words like in place. And I'm, oh man, I'm so excited. It's like, it's frustrating for me because the thing is, it's like I'm only one person and I'm kind of spread, you know, relatively thin. So, you know, a, a lot of the time is, you know, when we're given time, it's a matter of time management, you know, and... Um, but it's also a balance of taking care of yourself, too, because I feel like, you know, in capitalist America, there's this whole ego of, yeah, I sit up at 10 o'clock in the morning, da -da -da -da, I don't sleep, I don't sleep. Well, yeah, idiot, you're going to fucking die when you're 35. <laughs> like, I have a lifetime's worth of shit, you know? So it's a matter of, like, you know, if I do go to bed at 10 in the morning, which does happen, man, I make sure to get my eight hours, you know? And I make sure to, like, take care of myself and make sure that I'm not burning myself out because... You know, too much of something that you love is either A, going to make it a chore, and this is the way I explain that. It's right. like, you know, let's say, for instance, you meet someone who wants to play a guitar and you want to give them guitar lessons. Great. Well, the thing is, if they don't really want, again, that struggle of, of figuring it out or sleeping in the van, like I said before, what's going to happen is that passion that they had is going to become a chore. It's like, um, it's like when a sun makes iron. The second a sun makes iron or a star makes iron, that's when fusion and fission you know start and the sun dies and you don't want your passion to become a chore it has to be something that you escape reality to to indulge and to and to recenter yourself in what your purpose is and if you have that mindset you can kind of honor that with you know the talent that you're given but also meeting that talent halfway with a lot of hard work you know and talent here's the thing man i mean like go on youtube type in the word guitar talent or piano Talent is everywhere. It's and when you have a lot of something in life, it's valued less naturally. Mm -hmm. You see a dollar bill on the sidewalk, you're not going to go and do a backflip for it. But if you see a fifty dollar, you know, yeah. bill on the floor, you're, I'll do a split to grab it, right? <laughs> yeah. Whereas you know, talent, yeah, fine. But what else do you have to say? And when you have something to say and it's conceptualized and and fleshed out and planned beautifully and you know, like, like, you know, for me, it's like visuals and concepts and, and how I want the concept of that album cycle to feel, you know, like Downward Spiral had a feel to it. Boys for Pele had a feel to it. Never mind, had a feel to it compared to like In Utero. So all these examples, it's like, you know, you're kind of, well, for me in any way, I, I kind of learned from the people who did it best. Yeah. And I kind of examined what my strengths and weaknesses are and just focused on my strengths to get them better and better and better and better so, and better. So, Angel, what do you what do you consider yourself? Because you're obviously not just a guitarist and not just a music. Like, this is so much bigger I feel than like that. I, How do you define not, not, what you're doing? I feel like you're like Prince, dude, that you're going to start telling me why you built Paisley Palace and that you're <laughs> not burning yourself out and you're just like have like 16 concept albums at this point. You've hired Kevin Smith to make a movie that's not going to come out. <laughs> Because you can't make it yourself because you're aware of that, but you have millions of dollars in a giant 800,000 square foot house. And you're gonna be like, no man, I'm not working myself to death. And you'll be like, look at this six pack. And then you're gonna do the bat the bat dance. No, but you are, no, this, it's amazing. You are the ultimate entrepreneur and it's just incredible to see all the things you do. And I can understand because I feel like you just have so much creative energy that you have to just constantly keep going. And I think that's incredible. Oh, thank you. I, I, you're right though. I have to, like, I, I don't, I, it's to the point where, you know, it, it, here's the thing when you're whatever it is that you're doing in life if you know what your goal what like your purpose is right if you know that you're here to make art or to make porn or to paint houses or to do hair whatever it is that is such a fucking privilege 
Because think about it, like for us, it's something that when we're, when, you know, I'm sure that you can relate to this aspect. When you're brought up and you find the violin or you find the piano or you find the guitar, you're like, oh, this is my forever home, beautiful. And because we get that gift so early on, we kind of take it for granted at some point. But then I, you know, throughout the years, I've met fans and people who genuinely don't know what the purpose is. And they're kind of working a job. They have a house and kids and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And they're just kind of going through the motions. And they still feel incredibly lost at like 39, 43, because they don't, they weren't blessed to know what it is that their purpose is. And that is such a beautiful gift. And when you know that's what your gift is, it's kind of like, and you realize what, you know, how much value is in it. You, it's like this innate desire to to want to cultivate it and to be and to be better and not just for yourself but to really inspire others and that's like this cycle of inspiration. It's like performing on stage. It's like you can see how the audience is reacting to what you're doing and you just want you to make you to play. It makes you want to play harder and faster and better because you're giving something to them, you know. And that's mm -hmm. genuinely a piece of what you are. So, you know, I don't see why you why someone wouldn't. But at the same time, everyone's got their own prerogative. You know, I'm just grateful that I that I know what mine is. So maybe we can tell the audience, anyone that's watching, you know, how did you discover this? And at what point did this become apparent to you that this, this was the life that you wanted to live? Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, you know, so growing up, I, I'm Puerto Rican. So in the household that I grew up in, it was, you know, predominantly like dance music, which at that time was freestyle, house, uh, you know, funk, a lot of disco. Because uh, I grew up with my mom's era, what she grew up with. So in the 60s mm -hmm. and the 70s. So um and spanish music lots of spanish music salsa merengue bachata the whole nine so my first musical experience was um really i uh well the first record i ever got that was outside of that realm was jules pieces of you which i think is a, an incredibly timeless and beautifully written record uh but even that was just like a no-no in the house there was there was n no white people music that was the rule right <laughs> and um you know and i guess it was maybe um a little part of teenage rebellion because I was the firstborn, but it's also a matter of like this. I, I just found so much beauty in this different, you know, type of music. Then it kind of went from there to like Meredith Brooks and Alanis Morissette and Hanson and this and that, then Savage Garden, then it went to Nirvana, then Megadeth and Metallica and Testament. And, and it's sl very slowly. You know what's got so weird is I literally have like the exact same, like I listened to Tori Amos, I listened to Ani DeFranco, then Alanis Morissette. Like I loved so like, that's Jagged an Little Progression. Jagged yeah. Little Pill changed my fucking life. How upset then, were you that they couldn't do the tour because of this fucking coronavirus? Dude, dude broke my know, heart. You don't even you don't even know. Although I would have loved to have seen her with Taylor Hawkins. But the point is, is that even like Savage Garden, like I had all those Columbia House tapes that I still owe money for. That was <laughs> yeah, like, literally, dude. Like, literally, the 32 tapes that I had or whatever, that, those were all of them. Yeah, man, that's it. And that, but that that's like our generation. You know, the, the, the interesting thing is, so I'm 35 now. And, I, you know, we had a very analog childhood, but a very digital adulthood. So for us, sure, yeah. and, you know, the internet not being what it was. Was well, that like a zenial? Like, we're zenials. I'm, a thir I'm 37. Yeah. So it's funny that you say that because, like, we grew up where you, like, rang the doorbell. Like, excuse me, is she home? Yeah. And like, you got punched in the face. The, but we're still alive in a time where people are using their cell phones mm -hmm. that could like, you know, you could put someone on the fucking moon with this thing. Right. But, but we remember when you had a rotary phone. We remember when you went outside and mm -hmm. you did things and you weren't distracted by a fucking iPad. Right. But there's a whole generation of people that never saw tapes, that never uh -huh. bought a record, that like don't even know what it's like to live without an iPad something. Yeah. You know, but that's, but that's the... 
you know, that's the anchor of the generation, you know, as far as like mm -hmm. how they obtain information, how they communicate with one another, how they express themselves, you know, and um, I think overall it's definitely for the better because, I mean, obviously we all have careers, thank God, to be able to connect with people and to have our talent displayed and to inspire other people to want to work with us. But, you know, but that with that said, I think that um, is very beneficial. I see a, a significant difference with, you know, I guess how people progress with music. So the beautiful thing about our generation is that our evolution as musicians happened behind closed doors, okay? There was no need to post a video and this and this and this and this and this. Yeah. Whereas kids these days, that's what you do. So what happens is we're literally witnessing the growth. So like a lot of like the younger guitarists, like you know, like Polyphia and Chan and things like that, I think are obviously evidently massively influential but even more so, I'm really interested to see what happens when they're, music, when they're making music in their 40s. I want to see what they do. I want to see how they wind up evolving because, you know, my generation, our generation, evolved quite differently. So when I, when I came out of the gate, you know, with my first couple records, it was kind of like I was already seasoned because I put in all my time, but, you know, like this, you know, yeah. by myself. Mm, sure. And you can cultivate what your sound is by yourself and not feel the pressure to do X, Y, and Z because it's trendy. Yeah. You know, that's not, that, that word makes me want to bathe in bleach. I fucking hate that word. <laughs> the word, like people who, who attach themselves to Listen, trends. Listen, man, I, I learned very early on that the trend is fucking dead <laughs> and that I should go fucking ape shit because I listened to Pantera mm -hmm. and that was my fucking religion. And they had something called the Great Southern Trend Kill. Uh -huh. And I remember one of the coolest things ever was when they had the whole, the, the curtain down. And they started showing like the fucking strobe lights and Phil Anselmo has his back. And you hear Dimebag Daryl doing fucking screeches. And he's just screaming, <laughs> the trend is dead! And I just remember <laughs> thinking to myself that this is the coolest thing ever. But that was a long time ago. So you're saying the trend still is dead? I don't, th I think that, no, it's, a, it's more alive than it's ever been. I just feel like, you know, the trend is this huge, massive, complicated, heavy, great sword that people can't wield. They don't know what the fuck to do. It's like a seven-year-old holding a sword and they're just kind of like doing this, like trying to balance it. And where they're balancing it, it it's, it's the, the balancing runs a parallel to them trying to navigate what the fuck it is that they want to say. And instead of saying, you know, what someone else is saying. And they're, and listen, to a degree, you know, like me growing up as a guitarist, it was a little Eric Johnson, it was a little bit of Vi, a little bit of Satriani, a little bit of Alex Skolnick. So you mean like G3? Yeah. You know, yeah, <laughs> like absolutely. I love that fucking record, man. Dude, that was like Eric Johnson, and they didn't put Cliffs of Dover on that first one, which pissed me off. You know what? Because I love that fucking song. Absolutely. And I understand Eric Johnson's amazing, mm -hmm. but like, you can't have your first live record with all those guys and not put Cliffs of Dover on there. That's fucked up. I know. But the funny thing is, so I said the same thing as a kid, because I was like, what <laughs> the fuck? But the interesting thing was this. So the three songs that he actually did choose, which were uh, Manhattan, Zap, and oh fuck, I can't remember the other one. But um, what should have been? What should have been Dover. Dover, but it wasn't. I will say because I, I like Desert Rose or something. I don't, know. I don't even know what it was. But it wasn't until a couple years after that I realized, like, holy shit, I'm actually grateful that he did, did these three because if he didn't and I didn't have a visual, because there was no YouTube back then, we couldn't see. Hey, Eric Johnson performing this. Because there was a videotape that I had the of him performing these songs, it gave me a new appreciation for them. So. 
granted, they were quite a departure from what Cliffs of Dover was. It taught me that, like, yo, this jazz song is the fucking shit. <laughs> you know? Right, yeah, yeah. He's like shred jazz. Because yeah, he, like he really, he's ridiculous. He, he's so clean and he's so fast. And he, but he plays like this beautiful tone. It's kind of what like Tony McAlpine did for a while because that guy started off almost like an Ingve Malmsteen, but now yeah. he does like jazz and fusion and he's mm -hmm. even played keyboards with Steve I. He's like, Fuck the guitar. Yeah. I, I've done enough with the guitar. You know what? I'll play, I'll double Steve I on a keytar. Yeah, yeah. He's a very So that's what, pianist. you know, like, that's what those guys do when they're in their 40s. They started off as like Ingve types. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say he's an Ingve type because Tony McAlpine, you're better than that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, like, but now he's doing like, like, I guess more mature music, you know, where there's a lot of guys that have gone off into wank territory. We have guys like Paul Gilbert who's like, you know what? Instead of playing every note, I'm just going to play the right notes even better. Right. And, okay. So you talk on something very interesting you said a keyword they're mature now i felt the same way for many many years it's just like you know when, when you when you go from like ingve which is like um, like w probably one of my top three of all time like massively influential has to be see here's the thing so i think that you know to a degree it's kind of like what we see as mature it's like you know that stuff will, just because we listen to it in high school and we kind of progress from there like that's someone's you know end all be all and I feel like with the trend of guitar today, which is like that, you know, spanky neo soul kind of like, I call it just fuckboy shred because it's just like they're all saying this. <laughs> fuckboy you know? shred! Oh my god, that's our new fucking shirt. It's gonna say 2020 <laughs> fuck hashtag fuckboy shred. Fuckboy shred, shred yes. you know? But there is, and the only reason why first. I know this, <laughs> the only reason why I know this is because when I go to NAM, I feel. I feel their aura and what their intention is. So when isn't, I look at it online, isn't that just called grinder? Uh, well, that that's a <laughs> whole. Just say like seven seven feet away. Ben, <laughs> let him let him finish where he's going. <laughs> you know, fucking that's, derail tell my. Tell us where he's going on the fucking application. <laughs> no, but uh, but no, the thing is, it's like you know, so there's these you know, fifteen year old, seventeen year old kids playing like these neo soul kind of thing, and you know. There's this feeling of like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. They're definitely very like, oh, yeah, I play mature music now. And then I think it's in my head. And then I go to Nam, and then they're just swinging their dicks like this with the same attitude. <laughs> I'm just like, dude, man, you don't even know like, you don't even know how to conduct yourself like at all. So it validates what my gut tells me when I see their posts, you know? Uh -huh. And it's this facade of maturity because the uh -huh. way you're wielding that talent, because it is it's evident, they're good, yeah. is just in such a very immature way, well, you it's, know? It's very nature yeah. nurture because these kids, like, okay, so you said it. When we were younger, you had to get the video from Blockbuster. Yeah. And hope that you could see Jakey e. Lee doing mm -hmm. his thing on Just Say Ozzy. Or fucking whatever. And yeah. you're lucky if you could even see a close enough of Eddie Van Halen for two seconds doing something. Mm -hmm. Whereas now these kids that you're talking about yeah. were born at a time where you could literally see everything. Ingve is himself going, oh, well, this is how I play the third part. I only do thirds. But right? it's and not just that too. It's, it's also kids now are being able to upload, like you said, just like put stuff out on the internet and get immediate feedback. Whereas we, we all collectively grew up in, like you said, the generation. The point is that they're like super conditioned with these techniques, but not life. And there's something important about the wisdom of all the things that you've been through, which is why I wanted to talk about where you come from, oh, which is okay. also a Pantera song. On <laughs> it's an awesome Pantera song, one of my favorites. But but like the maturity, the wisdom that you have to choose the right notes, because you can have an awesome technique and you can wield it, but it's 
it becomes transparent, mm-hmm. you know, when obviously when you go to NAM and all that and you see them in person, right. but it does become transparent at a, a, after a while when you find out these guys have never done longer than 47 seconds straight of anything in their lives, haven't been on tour, haven't left their rooms ever, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Versus people like you who have, you know, left a country they were born in, you know, uh, changed your whole dynamic of your life, your, your economic status, and you've blazed a trail in so many different ways, you do so many different things proficiently. It's inspiring. Thank you. I mean, so can you tell us about like when you were younger, did you ever think that you were gonna be like this jacked, good looking dude that just kills it, shredding, blazing trails? Oh, we're getting back to I the question know. I asked like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, Don't it's just steal my subconscious. My Catching up to you. It's a cachet. No, but this is this is good. I really do want to get back to you because I think back. you're no, you're such an incredible entrepreneur and musician and everything. And it's so inspiring. And I think you do have something incredible to say in the world of artistry. And I think that's something that a lot of people can learn from. So yeah, it would be great to hear more oh, about goodness. Well, your trajectory. Well, thank you. Goodness. I mean that, that means a tremendous amount. Um yeah, so you know, I, I guess with uh taking it up from I guess the, the temperature of the of the household that I was in, you know, I left that house quite early. Uh Lots of substance abuse, lots of lots of horrible, horrible, horrible things. It just um, examples of what not to do in life. You know, luckily I was, I guess, aware enough to see as a, at a young age, like fuck, that's what you're doing. That's like, that's hurting people. You know, I I don't want to do that. Um, so uh, you know, I left the house. I think around 17. I spent a couple years homeless, just bouncing house to house to house, and um, a lot of people. I, I feel like, you know, I, I would feel the same way. It's like when I hear those stories, it's like, fuck, man, I'm so sorry. And But uh, to be completely honest, it was like one of the most liberating times of my life, you know, because I didn't have to worry about, you know, uh, the, I didn't have to worry about anything. I could just be myself and do the things mm-hmm. that I wanted to do. And um, so, you know, I was, very, uh, I was very focused on getting my first record out. This was quite a number of years ago. And um, at the time... I had, uh, it was a record called uh, Revelations. Well, I had put out a couple records, like just small demos and stuff like that previously. But, um, you know, it wasn't until I, you know, had this record tangible, like this, I had the masters in my hand and I was like, holy shit, like this is, this is, this is it, man, you know? Um, I knew that I had a lot I love of- that you said masters in your hand. Mm-hmm. So like you actually had like a two inch tape or something like that, like, or half inch tape or, because in analog, someone gave you like a reel to reel or something. No, no, no. It was just like well, the CD. It was. It was. I'm not that old. Even yet. then, like, <laughs> everyone sends stuff. Like I'm gonna email that to you yeah. to actually have someone like even burn mm-hmm. a disc. That's mm-hmm. a master. That yeah. was such a cool thing to be yeah. able to go put that in your deck. Yeah, so I just wanted cool. to like bring that back to the Zenial comment because mm-hmm. like that's a thing that a lot of people a little bit younger than us and a little bit older than us can't mm-hmm. relate to. Right, right. It was kind of like that very brief middle ground because technology expanded so quickly, it was very like short-lived. The mini disc, flash in the pan. Yeah. yeah. Betamax, flash in the pan. Here's my masters now. Yeah, yeah, ex- yeah, yeah right. exactly. A thumb drive, <laughs> a thumb drive or an email, you know? It, but you still, regardless of, of the method of, I, you would still have that same feeling of like, holy shit, I did this, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't care to what degree that I had to sacrifice for, you know? I mean, because... The most important thing for me personally, and even knew this back then, was like my legacy. You know, I knew that I was never going to rush to do something, you know, just to get it out for a specific timeline or anything like that. Like, I'm going to take my time and I, I will, for, to, to, to the end of time, take my time to make sure, you know, because w- once you put it out there, it's out there forever, no matter what. You know, it's out there forever. And 
Um, hey kids, doing the TikTok thing or yeah. sending out those messages like Snapchatting. Trust me, yeah. trust me. It's being uploaded to the cloud. Yeah, and it'll be there forever, you know. But then once Boobs. I once I put that uh, dicks. Once I put that record out, um, <clears throat> it got the attention of this band called Forty Below Summer. If you guys know them, and Dude, um, I, my first toy I ever did was with Forty Below Summer. There you go. That I ever ever did Th- those guys. I love those guys. Mm-hmm. I, I ab- that that was in two thousand one with Biohazard, Forty Below Summer, and American Head Charge. American Head Charge, yeah, man. So they got a they got wind of uh, the record, and um, they were looking for a guitarist because they wanted to reform. So they were. Uh, doing a super group with some of the guys from Flaw, and then I joined them for a little while. And the cool thing about, you know, when you're in, when you're young, because uh, they, they were maybe like all, like maybe like six or seven years older than me and, you know, had houses and kids and stuff like that. Um, I was in my early 20s. So um, I was able to learn from people who made a lot of mistakes, man. You know, a lot of mistakes. But they did a lot of things right as well. So I was able to kind of get a bit of both waves of, you know, how to kind of navigate my own career and, um, you know, I put out my second record, and this was when the internet was starting to sort of rev up, you know. And hmm. um, my first, I guess, claim to fame, I think the thing that put me into motion was this um, this message board called sevenstring.org. Now, sevenstring.org was this community of, like, guitarists and people who, like, you know, metal and, and, and heavy music and guitar. Um, and the owner got wind of me on MySpace because on MySpace at the time I was killing it and I had a lot of fans and 15,000 on MySpace. Oh my God, you know, that was huge at the time. Is that why I was never in your top 10? Maybe, maybe. (laughs) Um, But, you know, this guy made a post about me and he vouched me. He's like, yo, dude, you guys got to check this kid out. And the thread went really well. Then I joined the group and we all became friends and um, that was like the first wave. And then when I started putting videos out on the internet, it like elevated it. And then, you know, the next record was like another elevation. So it was constantly catapulting, you know, from, you know, I guess album cycle to album cycle, but also from band to band. Because what happened eventually in 2012, I joined uh, a band that Tommy Vex was uh, the frontman for called Vexed. And um, that was another beautiful experience of, of just like learning it and to, and, and also knowing your role in the situation, you know, because I, I'm, a, I'm a control freak. And the only reason why I'm a control freak is because I know that I'm good at what I do. But when you're in a band situation, it's much more a democracy of delegation, you know. Mm-hmm. So there were things that I was, that I was responsible for and I made sure, you know, to come through on my end with them and as did the other guys. And that's the reason why the album came out so successful. Um, but then once I went back into the studio for uh, my fourth record, Away With Words, you know, it, it, I just knew that it would just take, way too much out of me and I would have nothing else to really offer another, you know, side piece, so to speak. So I had to leave the group, um, which actually worked out in everyone's favor because Tommy wound up moving, you know, out west, um, doing uh, Westfield Massacre, then eventually Bad Wolves, of course. And, um, and you know, what, by the fourth record, I kind of um, was pretty well established in my career, thing, you know, which I'm incredibly grateful for. Um, and around that time, that's when um, my best friend... At the time, he had ALS, and he wound up passing away maybe... Sorry to hear that. Yeah, man, it was rough, man. Like five or six months after he got diagnosed in May. So he passed away uh, December 19th, and he was diagnosed in May, so which is very fast, and he was 35. Oh, my God. Very, very young, very young, and it's an absolutely dreadful disease. Um, but once that happened, you know, and I was still working a day job at the time, I kind of had... I. I life presented me with this fork in the road of, you know, um, you know, the job gave me a really nice 
you know, a job offer, like a promotion. And I was also presented with my first tour offer. So I was like, well, what the hell do I do? Well, you know, after losing your best friend at 35 years old, I was like, fuck this, man. Like, I can always come back to this job. I love this job. Mm -hmm. I, I'm still really close with everyone there to this day. Um, so I can right now, I can call me like, hey, guys, I want to come in. Oh, we'll see you tomorrow morning, you know. Um, so I knew that I always, always have that safety net. So I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm jumping in, man. I'm jumping in. I'm going to do this tour and I'm going to do this, uh, you know, as long as I possibly can. Um, and, you know, then it was tour after wow. tour and, you know, record after record. And, and <laughs> here I am. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was, uh, you know, and, and bring me to present day. I think that, um, you know, the visual aspect, and, and I think everyone has their own uh, um, formula that works for them. You know, and this is another thing I talk to artists about. So it's kind of like, if you want to be, you know, really cheesy for a second, but the analogy is so beautiful, I think. So it's kind of like, like the key to success. Like, you know, there's grooves in a key, right? So, you know, the, the grooves that are going to make Benny Goodman successful, you know, in the key are going to be quite different from the grooves that are going to make me successful, you know? So, you know, to kind of expand on the kids that are kind of repeating everyone else's, I guess, methods of, of success, you know, so when they're seeing Jared Dines do funny videos on YouTube, oh, I'm going to try and do that. And they're going to put the key in that, into that slot and they're going to turn it and it's going to be, yes. it's not going to turn. All right, got to do something else. All right, I'm going to do gear reviews. All right, going to put it in. All right, I don't have the personality for this. I don't have, all right, then I'm going to try something else. All right, I'm going to try to do original music. Voila, that door opens. Great. But the thing is, it's like once you open that door, there's a whole fucking lifetime worth of yeah. doors to open can i tell you how much i appreciate that because i was always told the groove was in the heart by delight <laughs> so the fact that the fact that you just told me about how, where my grooves were and how to actually open that door explains why i've just been banging for no, so but this fucking is, long and no one this, opens it up man this, this is brilliant because this, this came up on a previous podcast episode of understanding your brand and you are clearly a bit like a visionary when it comes to knowing yourself totally and knowing your brand visionary. yeah you are you are like a pioneer in this and it's so <laughs> admirable to see because i think that is the ultimate statement yeah you have to know what your groove is yeah because if you just start trying around and then you it takes look at you know, his colors spread all thin no it's it makes total sense but anyway behind him his whole house <laughs> is probably like that it's always, beautiful. It, oh, that was the, rest assured. Fucking A, you're damn right. Because <laughs> I know it is. Because I've seen your videos. Everything's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I, I would hate to be your house cleaner. Well, I do that too. The one coming in my house, shit. I'm Spanish, <laughs> I'm saying, baby. We clean our probably, own houses. I'm not saying you can't, but I suspect that you probably need help with how nice your house is. And if you do it, if you do that, the makeup, the editing, and all that yourself, fuck you. Get off cocaine. I don't want you to die. <laughs> no, man. I no, I do it for myself for a couple reasons. A, um, I'm good at it. And B, I save tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. yeah, you thousands do. of dollars doing it myself. Yeah, you do. Because well, well, can we just say this? Because if anyone goes and sees Angel's videos and all the stuff that you do, it always looks so professional. It so does. Beautiful. I mean, it, I mean, you are a professional, but you do so much of it to see. You know, Corey and I like we like to think that we do the a little directing, a little photography, <laughs> this and that. But like, we don't. He's much better at it than I am. So I'm not oh, it's speak definitely a skill. Like but, I've but, just like, tried to do videos. But it's everything so hard. that you do looks like you paid someone thirty to forty thousand dollars to do it. And I tip my hat to you because every time I see your stuff, I don't even hear the music. I just go, that looks hard. Look and, at the and lighting. And it takes in that. so fucking that's, long. I that's give not you so even a three point light oh kit. That's a ring light. Look at his eyes. They're beautiful, dude.
I don't even know how much time. Yeah, that's like way beyond any capability that I have. That's, that's literally like the sometimes if I don't want to roll like nine in the morning, like that is like, we want to talk about time. I mean, because it's like, all right, so going back to the key thing with the grooves, it's like yeah. every groove kind of like represents a different skill set. So like, all right, can you write a song? Can you phrase the right way? Can you sell yourself visually? Can you... Do you know how to work your analytics? You know, can you do videography? Can you do this? Can you do that? And, you know, depending on, on, on how unique it is that you, how well you've, you know, developed that particular skill, it's going to make that key unlock numerous doors, you know, as opposed to figuring out one and then the next one and then the next one. So but, I have a question, Angel, mm -hmm. at what point do you start to delegate out tasks? Because you do so much. Is there a point where you're like, I can't hand, I got I to gotta give this to someone else, or I need assistance on one thing? And where do you, and where do you draw bed? that line? Yo, for sure. That's a, that's, you know, that's, a, that's an amazing question. And I don't want people to think that, like, I'm, like, I'm some fucking superhero. Like, I do well, you delegate. Kind of hard. Even even the body, dude. You got yeah. like the eighties He-Man action figure that all of them had. That, but like, I can't do it because I don't have. I, like this is Salt and Peppa. Yeah. Got no Spinderella in between. You know what I mean? Like, I like a little tiny one. Yeah. <laughs> That's because you're holding up that violin. You know? Right, I know. <laughs> but yeah, um, no, for sure. Because there's there's certain things that like my ideas for the big videos are much beyond my skill set, you know, to, to mm -hmm. edit. And, and obviously, listen, I can't shoot myself and dance and play guitar at the same time. You know, I have to yeah. ha I have to trust someone, but the people that I trust, um, man, I vet them out for a very, 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 very long time because it's not only am I investing my time, my energy, and my vision with them, but also I'm paying them a tremendous amount of money. Mm -hmm. So I have to be very, very, very conservative and make sure that their vision is like, the way that I explain it is like this, is like my yellow and your blue have to make a gorgeous shade of green. That's mm -hmm. what collaboration is. And yeah. when you're in a mm -hmm. band, that red, that yellow, that blue, that green, that purple has to be completely copacetic. It has to have a lot of continuity in it because if it doesn't, hmm, something's gonna, something's gonna fall through the cracks right. at some point. And the only thing that's gonna mm -hmm. wind up suffering is the integrity of the art that you put so much time, money, and effort into doing. So, and, and the only reason why I say this is because I've fucked up many, 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 many times choosing the wrong people. And you know, to the, up until this day, I still sometimes mess up because we're all human, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and people from LA are very good actors. So, <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Yeah, they are. Oh my God. Listen, we'll be here enough for another three hours talking about that. <laughs> Kill me now. With their scarves and their fucking pompous hats. <laughs> I just, I just, I just can't. It's just, they're, they're just like, oh my God. The level of smug. It's uh, like, not all of them, not all of them. I know a few well, not, diamonds not, in the rough. We can't but. speak holistically, but like you can walk down the streets <laughs> in Beverly Hills and you can smell the smug. You can see the yeah. dreadlocks coming off the guy, you know, the gluten-free, <laughs> oh vegan, extra soy, made only three times triple blended by USA people that donate to Niagara, Nigeria. And oh my God. Right. No, but that's, that's a powerful statement though, because you can, I'm sure, easily dilute your brand or tarnish something by getting enough wrong people or enough wrong minds on board, you know, for Absolutely. sure. I'm, I can imagine that's the downfall of a lot of people and projects. And a lot of bands. Think about like, yeah. all the modern bands these days. Like, none of them have original members. Get the fuck out of here. Like, yeah. <laughs> by the grace of God, thank God. I mean, like, I've literally had the same bassist, the same drummer, same guitarist for a collective of, like, maybe, like, between 
10 to 14 years to some of them. Same guys, it's we amazing. all live 20 minutes away from each other, you know, like that's my, to the end all be all, you know, and for a solo artist, it's like, you know, cause we're constantly switching out musicians in and out, in and out, yeah. Vi has different groups all the time. But uh, I mean, like that's, that's, that's my family, you know? And, um, mm -hmm. and when you find those connections and you find those personalities that are so complementary to one another, it's like, that's such, again, it's another gift and I don't take that for granted at all, you know? And granted it's my project, but I mean, you know, I always value their opinions and, and, and their their time and their efforts into trusting me because they've been with me way before any of this took off. Like, they fucking trusted me. They trusted me. They believed in me before anyone else did, you know? And, mm -hmm. like, like, that's a beautiful, beautiful gift. I mean, like, just time and effort alone. And then, obviously, like, I'm sure that they've spent money on gear for this and that and, you know, so... I'm just eternally grateful to all of them, Bill, Jake, and Jay. Man, I mean, like those are those. That's my family. So, um, awesome. when you find it, you gotta keep, you gotta hold on to it. You know, as long as the the, the creations that you make are fruitful. You know, sometimes you might you want to have you might have a different uh, idea than what someone's abilities are. You know, then you go, you know, you can kind of go somewhere else. But you know, even when you go to find someone else that can provide well, you, you with what out. it is. Well, you lucked out. Your friends were all ninja musicians and they yeah. all got better with you. So, like, I mean, I'm the same way. Like, so Paul, um, who's the drummer um, in Lost Symphony, our, mm -hmm. our, our band, mm -hmm. um, for the most part, other, other than a few, few Jason Costa and, and David Abraziz, mm -hmm. um, I've been playing. I met him on Craigslist, dude. I swear to God, I always say casual encounters, but like, uh, and, and his, and you have to, he's such a, a mellow, meek dude, but his original <laughs> answering machine was like, leave a message. And that was like, and then when he, all the recordings he sent me, fuck, it sucked, like sucked. But then he showed up to practice. He told our singer he liked uh, Faith No More. We're uh -huh. like, okay, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then he like played like a motherfucker. Uh -huh. And since then, like, he's just, we've, he reads my brain, yeah. but I'm lucky because so he's been in 97 bands Ooh. because he's so good that everyone goes, oh, we're waiting for Paul so yeah. he could be in that. Like Corey even knows we're like, do we even call Paul? Will Paul even do this? Because yeah, but but Bill, who's the drummer in your band, for example, that guy's a fucking monster. They're all so like, if you that, ditched yeah. him, you'd be a lunatic. Yeah. You would have a synapse that's not firing right. properly. With no bridge. I would question your dopamine <laughs> releasing your brain. Yeah, There's man. no serotonin. <laughs> Which clearly he's got a lot of today, guys. Yeah. <laughs> today? As opposed yeah. to any other day, Angel. <laughs> true. I want to ask a question, not to change the subject, but obviously you're very much on the forefront of understanding like social media and everything, which I'm really bad at. And even with branding, like this, you know, I've spent my whole life playing violin and just now I'm like trying Thank to- Thank God you have videos. fans that just like make their sights of you. <laughs> no, but my career, you know, my career has gone in a different way. I've always just kind of had a gig here or a band yeah, or whatever. Famous. So no, but I mean, everybody has a different path, but I'm interested. So at what point did you realize that video and multimedia was important? Because it seems to me like you were on the front end of that trend in a lot of ways so it's much like the gears that work you know for certain people so i you know sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll consult with an artist who's just like i've been watching what you're doing and i'm doing exactly what you're doing but it's not working well mm -hmm. you know you you can't compare yourself to me because we're a we're very different and the way that i'm doing it works for me you know like mm -hmm. there's there aren't any other instrumentalists that were videos integral to their brand like animals as leaders mm -hmm. they don't need to do that plenty doesn't need to do that these guys right. do not need to do that and they don't because they understand what it is that works for them. You know, for mm -hmm. me, like, I will and can never release a record without visuals attached to it. Like, mm -hmm. I just couldn't stomach it, and it really wouldn't work, you know? And 
the visual influences how you enjoy the music so, so much, you know? So even if these other artists who aren't doing it do it eventually, they're going to see such a, a very different engagement because the visuals tell a different story, especially with instrumental music. So with instrumental music, mm -hmm. you're so limited. There's no lyrics. The only thing that, that you can base the premise and dynamic of your concept is the song title. And that's the reason why I put thought into the song titles and the titles of the records, because that's all you got to go by. So right. if you're, you got to find what kind of works for you, right? And it doesn't mean that video works for you or it doesn't. It's not like that. It's the type of videos that work for you because video is like universal. It's kind of like underwear. It works for every, well, it doesn't work. <laughs> well, <laughs> let me, bad example. Because some well, everyone could do video, but you have to be choosy. I, I, I get what you're right. saying. Right. You got to experiment yeah. to see what's going to really work for you. You know, some people right. can just use their iPhones and just like whatever. Um, you know, whereas it's like, you know, how do you feel about that? By the way, Angel, people that just use their iPhones and think that they can make a Lady Gaga video. I mean, like, what's what's your opinion? Actually, I'll ask you the same question that Corey asked Jason Lechberg. Mm -hmm. What do you want to tell musicians to stop doing? <laughs> um, I want them to. I would like to see musicians uh, do what they want to do genuinely and not feel pressured to do anything just because someone else is doing it. Authenticity is key. I totally agree with you. Authenticity, one hundred percent. You know, and stick to your guns. It's not going to happen immediately for certain people. You know, I mean, like. Okay, so now that we're going to cut that out, the really nice answer. Give us the asshole no, real deal answer. answer. No, you want to know what Jason Lechberg said? He said, get off the fucking stage. He's saying stop and being I, a fake ass. I, I agree with that. No, I'm I know, kidding. I love his answer. Stop but being I, a fake I wanted... ass bitch and be authentic. That's say it like that. Is. Say it like that. I'll yeah. remember that. Yeah. but here's I'll the make the synapse now. It'll so fire I... next time I think about it. <laughs> I'll remember I what he like, said. Because you want to know what I remember? That ben, fuck you. Let him video. talk. Silence. Silence. <laughs> why, why was he wearing shoes? <laughs> no, I, I don't know where you are. Angel, please continue. Oh, I'm good. <laughs> um, no, I, I really do think that... Um, you know, but at the same time, I think that, you know, I have to even watch myself and, what I, and how I'm saying that too because, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not conditioned to experiencing what it's like to be a musician in 2020 trying to go mm -hmm. out there, you know? So yeah. I feel a part of the growth is to let the public see your growth, which is a very fucking terrifying thing. If you really yeah. think about yeah, it, you have it to be- that's a, that's a great advice though. It's yeah. scary. It's really scary, man. And, and then obviously you have to be, you have to have some type of tough skin. You have mm -hmm. to have some type of tough skin because here's the thing about human, the human condition in the mind and how our minds are wired. Out of a million comments that are positive, it's gonna be the one negative one that just, especially if it hits us yeah. the wrong way, because our minds are Teflon for good experiences and Velcro for bad ones. Now, why? Because we don't want those bad experiences to happen again, so we hold well, on. That's to like them. every relationship I've ever had, Angel. Like I'll say <laughs> one thing, I'll be like, "I love you. You're beautiful. You're great." And then like one time, I'm like, "You suck." And I'm like that one day in 1987 in November, <laughs> it was sunny out, and you were wearing Lee jeans, and you told me I sucked, and you <laughs> fucking suck. <laughs> that's my whole life. People oh just selective God. memories have, of trolling. I feel like we need to like have a separate little talk with Benny. Just it's just therapy, <laughs> straight up therapy. Like almost every <laughs> podcast, <laughs> just therapy. Just let our man how much we owe you. <laughs> yeah. He has to scream off his angst while we're. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but I, I think overall, like that, that would be my advice, man. You know, it's um, just really be honest with what you're good at. Don't feel like you you. 
don't take on things that you're not passionate about doing. You know, if you don't have ideas for videos, you don't have ideas for artwork, hire a consultant. That's what we do. Yes. So you can yeah. worry about writing the songs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, oh, and John can't write lyrics. He knows yeah. that. He yeah. knows to delegate that, you know? It's, yeah. it, but again, it's like when you see people like me or Misha Mansour writing everything and doing mm -hmm. everything ourselves, people feel like they have to take on that same pressure. And that's mm -hmm. not the case. That's not the case, you know? So really navigate, be honest with what you're good at and not good at, and just don't hurt your art, you know? Because it takes a lot of time to cultivate that and get good at it. And that's what's mm -hmm. gonna happen. And no one's gonna give a shit if it's not properly, you know, put together. Yeah, and you have to put in the yeah. time. I think a lot of people see stuff and it looks so simple and seamless that they underestimate how much time you really do have to invest, especially on the honing of your craft, you know? It's, it's well, especially when you make it look out. so freaking easy, both of you, well, Siobhan no, but that's, and but that's Angel both post videos. Like if I Oh my God, my videos you, are so bad. I like look at yours and I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> but the point is, okay, yes. Production-wise, Angel has you completely trumped. Yeah, but the for thing sure. Is, but, but here's something, maybe Angel can even talk about this. I find a lot of the well-produced videos, and I appreciate the well-produced videos, but it's people like Siobhan, who doesn't even know how to use a fucking camera, but plays like a goddamn maniac. Yeah. And people would still get more views because when you go and produce it, it's almost like, well, we know you're good because you used a red camera, so you must be good. <laughs> yeah, there is a certain validation with the type People of say you're fake! Yeah. It's yeah, too well sure. done for you to have done it <laughs> randomly. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword. <laughs> no, it is, but but again, it's, it's a matter of like what your strength is. You know, if you have like, Guth, like Guthrie Govan, okay? Like, so that man Maniac. doesn't need any of that. Like, he could literally pull up his, his phone and, and, and improvise on the spot mm -hmm. And people will watch it and they will have a lot of views and it will have a lot of engagement. Why? Because it's like, a, again, that groove and that his key is so well crafted and just very precise and just perfect and just developed to <laughs> ungodly proportions that it compensates and it, it, you know, for the lack of You don't of think production. it's the hair? It could be that too. <laughs> I feel like, like every Jesus time I watch figure, Garth you know? McGovern, all I all I hear is hair. Yeah, man. Well, he because he, he just does this licks. thing back and forth, and I mean, like, and his fingers are moving so fast, and it's and it's like such clean, precise notes yeah. that all I can think to myself is, what conditioner does he use? Yeah. But it's like now, even with me, if I go look at old school violin, like classical violin recordings of like Henrik Schering, and it's just like he's just like boom. It, the, the video is shit. It even the audio quality is shit. But you're just mm -hmm. like it doesn't even matter. And then now mm -hmm. Lindsey Sterling has to be doing backflips and like <laughs> you know. $10 million of production for people to watch like 30 seconds of it. You know you what, know? you bring up a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful point. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, once you set the bar for yourself for, and that formula works, you mm -hmm. have to be okay with maintaining that from then on, you know? Yeah. And that's a massive undertaking because you're constantly outdoing yourself. And that by definition is the term of healthy competition. Don't compete mm -hmm. against each other. Compete uh -huh. against what your best is, you know? Furthermore, Perfect. furthermore, you know, like let's take the guitar, you know, instrumental community, right? Competitive as hell. You have lead guitarists who are men, nevertheless, because the female guitar community operates quite differently. I'm just going to use the men here as an example because mm -hmm. I'm a guy and I'm in it and I know myself. And, you know, extremely competitive, very, very clicky, you know? 
Um, and the reason why it's clicky is, is actually a psychological uh, theory called terror management theory. Now, it, it kind of goes along with religion in, in general. Like, you know, um, the more fearful the religion is of the God, the more destructive it is. So, you know, think of radical Islam. Is the Islam. God Eddie Van Halen? Oh, Benny, <laughs> mute him. He's done. <laughs> mute him. Because if yes. he fucks me up, oh, yeah. if he fucks me up, I'm not going to be able to find my place back again. <laughs> okay, go. Keep going. Okay, You're so anyway, so what happens is, um, the more fearful the religion is of the God, you know, the more destructive they are. And this is where, you know, like, like I mentioned, radical Muslim in a lot of these destructive mm -hmm. religions. It runs the same parallel to the Qatar community because we all realize that our careers are incredibly fragile, especially nowadays with everyone getting canceled. So what's going to happen? We have to band together and, and to kind of feel like there's a community that we have that's belonging. But the problem with that is the ones who are most fearful are the ones who see other people and just going to be like... No, you can't sit with us. No, you can't sit with us. You know, so then you have this, yeah. you know, you have the same tours happening over and over and over and over and over again with the same artists and the same billings. It's just like, okay, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. we get it. You know, the same collabs over and over and over again. And, you know, it, it's, it's destructive to the community. Like for me personally, like I fucking hope we all make it. I predict that one, at some point, I'm not entirely sure when, Polyphia will go on tour with either Justin Bieber or Post Malone 100% at some point. And I hope that it happens. Like, because what's gonna happen is this. It's gonna be mutually beneficial for the entire community the more we all become, you know, individually successful, right? So it's kinda like, you know, I, I, I try my best not to have issues with anyone and, and try to see the good in people despite whatever they're navigating with their personalities as far as their fear is. Because again, like at the end of the day, we need each other. A lot of us are all DIY. We have no managers. We have no labels. It's just us. And mm -hmm. that's a beautiful thing to have that much control. And, and when you have collective people, especially in this community in particular, it's very DIY. We have so much collective power together and we don't even fucking realize it. Now, the reason why we can't realize it is because there are things that are preventing people from connecting, whether it's jealousy, whether it's envy, whether it's ego. Ego, dude. It's, yes. That's the problem. I find this so yeah. much in the guitar community because I'm a dude. Yeah. I'm in the guitar community. The problem is, is that like a lot of people don't, like I found even some guitar players I would think would have known each other or known about each other, like almost mm -hmm. don't even acknowledge it because it's like, oh yeah, that, whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I even remember a certain guitar player said that you were, like, cut and paste when I first met him. Yeah. And then he, I think he saw you live, and it was like, oh, no, that guy doesn't cut and paste. <laughs> um, well, no, because honestly, yeah. it's it's true. Like, if you didn't know, because you're, you're such an incredible, accurate player, you wouldn't realize necessarily that it isn't studio magic. You play like that. And you, you do all the videos now so everyone mm -hmm. can see that it's not lip syncing. Right. You know what I mean? Because there's a whole thing in the guitar yeah. community where everyone's trying to be better. But one thing that I really appreciate about you, which I wish that all these super technicians would learn, mm -hmm. is where you learn all these techniques and you try to wield them, learn how to know when to wield them mm -hmm. because that's the skill. It's like being a DJ. It's not the fact that I, what songs I have. It's knowing the right song at the right time or even being a fashion person, knowing the right dress at the right time to wear to the Grammys yeah. and then at the after party and then to change for this because that's what people talk yeah. about. Yeah. And it's so important. And you know that. And it's so inherent in your branding. And that's one thing. And, and Jason Lechberg, our marketing guy, you know, you're the one that said to us, one of the guys that said to us, hey, that guy's great. Yeah. And it makes so much sense because you guys are both the same types of maniacs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you gotta be, man. You gotta be. These days, yeah. 
you know, no one's going to do it for you, you know? And even the people who say they're going to do it for you is kind of like, all right, we're lies. The, y- lies, man. It's just like, you know, it's, <laughs> right. they're just, they're just talking you up and, you know, and I think the other thing too is like a lot of people like, you know, cause bitch, I have an ego, but I keep my fucking ego. I embrace it in the four walls of my home. I don't bring it out with me. I don't bring it out on tour. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll, I will yeah. literally, I will sit here. I'll be like, fuck, that was good. Son of a bitch. <laughs> bring it on. I will sit here underneath my ceiling fan with just like, like just in my underwear, just like, cause I'm breaking a sweat at how excited I am. Just like, oh my God. You know, but I don't let that affect anyone else's day. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like. And I feel like the more you, in Buddhism, we call it inviting your ego to tea, you know? Invite Mm -hmm. it to tea, you know? Get to know it so that you know exactly when it is that, like, especially at Nam, that's the problem, that lack of awareness. They don't, they don't embrace, they don't do that, you know? So what happens is to to prove where their level is, they have to do this. And I'm like, oof. People are missing self-hatred. Because that's one of the things, because these guys are all so full of themselves. There's plenty, no, there's plenty of self-hatred. Those people people are are different than what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Because these guys are just, they know they're good at it, and they just do it. But, like, for me, Mm -hmm. I'm, like, scared. I don't want you to fucking hear it. And even in my own house, I'm not like, that was good. I'm going, that was acceptable. That's the 743rd take. I'm like, that sucked. Start again. That sucked. Start again. That and my girlfriend will be like, "Why did you just play the same note for forty-three minutes straight?" Because I couldn't get past the first measure. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. because you care, you know. It, it, mm-hmm. Like you, you hear it in your head, and you know how it should sound, and you want to honor how it should sound the way it should sound, you know. And that's where that, you know, like you were talking about like that self-doubt. You know, I want to call it self-hate. Mm-hmm. It's just like self-doubt, and I have it all the time. All of us have it, mm-hmm. but you have to be honest with yourself just so that you don't let that prevent you from putting shit out. And that's the problem. That's a that's a yeah. big problem. I find with a lot of artists that I consult is that they're brilliant, but either you know whatever childhood trauma, and it goes back to that, you know, of self value. Yeah, right. Oh my God, integral. You know, it's a lot of the times they like, fucking hell. Like I'm playing therapist because they don't realize, it, and I guess the other reason why they don't realize this is because, you know, I have a, a, a rather unique upbringing. Um, that allows me to kind of notice those things in people. I mean, like, especially after like a third consultation and the certain keywords that they say is like, I don't know, man, or how they say it. Like, yeah. it's just like, you have to get yourself to a point where you do know so that you're actually happy with it because you're sitting on a fucking album's worth of material and you keep writing new material. It's just like, well, you know, what are you going to do? When are you going to start it? When are you going to yeah. start your growth? Instead of... There's- yeah, no, no, I was going to say there's so many parallels, too, with the classical world. And I notice this all the time. And when we're talking about people not being supportive of each other, this happens all the time amongst violinists because people will be like, the, especially the people that are the most afraid of releasing stuff will be the first to have a negative comment about anybody that does, you yes. know, because they, they have not encountered that fear, or overcome that fear of their own limitations with themselves. And they project it on other people. And it's sad because, you know, even with me, I try to always project you know, inclusion, encouraging people to release their stuff to, you know, be a part of the growth process. But so many people, they just can't encounter that fear of, you know, just overcoming it. And they, they put the negativity on someone else. It's rough. No, you're absolutely right. And, and, um, and to speak a little bit more on the classical world, because man, my God, it's like lawyers, you guys, holy shit. (laughs) It's like, it's really scary. It's, it's, it's it's completely terrifying to be completely honest. You know, the, the tremendous amount of, and, and, and the funny thing is, too, is it's like I found whenever I, I've collaborated with a number of uh, classical musicians and 
Um, so obviously it, it's very restrictive and it's very disciplined in the sense that, you know, these are the fucking rules. You do not go out of the rules. And for unfortunately for a lot of people, they can't turn that off. So they can't yeah. compose for the life of them. They cannot <laughs> improvise, you know, or they have difficulty doing so. And um, yeah. it's very difficult. So what happens is I feel like a lot of them are being extremely competitive to to detrimental proportions i mean truly like career ending level shit to play someone else's music yeah yeah it's, it's so interesting i know and we go through our whole lives as classical musicians not realizing how ironic that is like it's you know where it's just like we're just killing ourselves over music we didn't even write you right, know all right. the time yeah, yeah. It, it but it's it's like but i i yeah, the guitar community can be competitive and stuff like that, but the the class and the jazz world too is pretty competitive in oh, yeah. respect. Jazz yeah, we were classic. talking about We were just today. talking about this yeah. on the other podcast that if you really want like the ultimate cuz we're we're talking to Rodolfo Zaniga, who's a the, the drummer from Julio Iglesias. Mm-hmm. And he started off with Iron Maiden and Soundgarden and all that and he was talking about like, well, if you really want the ultimate, play jazz. And I'm like <laughs> I, I don't because I don't understand any of that music whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And honestly, now that I take guitar lessons, the thing that I learn the most are jazz voicings. Yeah. Because it's the thing that I go, wow, I never knew how to do a 13th chord. Yeah. That's really interesting how that, because it's so mystical to <laughs> us rock Oh, but yeah, players. but the level right. of neurosis amongst The neurosis jazz. is yeah. so yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a matter of intimidating. You know, it's very, uh, we see other people that, you know, what they're doing and we feel like it's so out of, outside of our ability, you know, but... The reality is, you know, Eric Johnson's DNA is the same as my DNA. We we both have the same capabilities of doing. It. Is again, do you want to struggle to 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 learn all this jazz theory or all this classical, you know, proper position, proper technique, and command of tempo and stuff like that? Do you want to go through that struggle? Me? Fuck no. I'd rather just sit here and listen to it and enjoy it right. objectively, you know, and take subconsciously whatever blueprints that it's going to teach me to do as a composer and as a writer. And that's going to subconsciously, and you'll see it on the way with words part two, it's going to subconsciously just kind of flow itself yeah. out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's a beautiful thing, you know? Because, like, my first ever musical experience was playing at church, you know, at 15. I was an electric guitarist playing in a 13-person jazz, like, horns, guitar, keyboards, uh-huh. choir, the whole nine. And there's not a lot of room for electric guitar in that at all. It's salsa, merengue, and bachata. You know, we're, we're taking, we were doing... That's uh, what they thought. We would, well, yeah. We would do, um, we would do like Black Magic Woman and change the, they would change the lyrics to be more religious. Mark Anthony's songs from back in the day. Uh, Elia Santiago. Like all these old school Spanish artists. And, you know, I had to write my own Don parts. Omar. Yeah, all those guys. Tito Puente. Julio Iglesias. I don't think we did any Julio Iglesias, but we did do a lot of Tito Puente. Um, Tito Puente. Tito Puente, yeah, And man. even Tito Puente Jr. Yeah. Oh, well, it's funny enough, he actually lived, well, at the time, he lived in Jersey, too. So, like, he actually had connections, I think, with the trumpet player or maybe the trombonist. I think they went on tour together. Ah, whatever. But in any case, <laughs> you know, I had to learn at 15 years old, mind you, I'm like Megadeth Metallica, da 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 to learn when to play and not to play. Mm. Tough. Really, really yeah. tough, you know? But... Yeah. I, you know, I, I would listen back. Like we would do, like little audio recordings, and then I would, they would, they would, I would need to listen back. Like here, listen, you hear, you're just doing too much there. Like let the piano do a thing. I'm like, oh yeah, that does sound really bad. That sounds really bad, bro. right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> like 15, and it was just like, you know, down to the ego. But that's what I felt like kept me grounded. And I, you know, no matter like 
what the artists that do a guest solo for, whether it's like Carnifex, which is like super crazy death metal, or something like Symphony, uh, rather Lost Symphony, that's very you know classical. Well, we no, but that's okay because you know what we still call it Symphony. For those that don't know, <laughs> Lost Symphony was originally yeah. called Symphony. But one of the things that yeah. sucks about being a band is choosing a name and then getting a trademark dot <laughs> com, and then when you find out some other person yeah. out there in New York has another band <laughs> with but, prior art. But Angel, thank you for your contributions to Lost Symphony. Yeah, yeah uh, and Symphony. I know, I know that you're tight on time, and uh, we definitely appreciate you being on oh, with yeah. us. We really Anyone, do. you guys can hear Angel Vivaldi in, on Lost Symphony Chapter One. La yes, Cremosa. La Cremosa, as it's well incredible. as so, we did. A, we did. We did a song for our fallen friend. Ollie Herbert, who actually brought us together, which mm -hmm. we're gonna, uh, Angel, I hope you'll come back on and talk to us at oh, some point. Oh, I'd love to. About, yeah. Because we, we haven't even gotten into the meat and potatoes yeah. no, of this so conversation. No, there's so much stuff you have to share. I know. It's amazing. No, it's Let amazing. us know when we can book some time. Yeah, and Angel, why don't you tell us where everyone can find your stuff and uh, when when's, when is Away With Words Part 2 coming out? Is that oh, announced wow. yet? Or? I'll leave you guys with this little tidbit. So um, this, Ooh, over the next yeah, over the next year, you'll see not one but two records from me. The second record Ooh. will be with my new band that I'm in. So. Sounds like a very Prince thing to do, Angel Vivaldi. I know. Imagine that. I'm telling you right now, I'm calling it. When he's like 35, no, 45, 10 years from now, 45, you're going to be like living in a giant Remington, Mrs. Remington house, like all fucking Liberace'd out. You're going to have like, you're like, here's the 13 albums I did with this band that I fired. Like, you know what I mean? I promise you. And with that said, Angel, thank you so much for being on 2020. And... Wait, wait, tell everyone where they can find your stuff. Yeah, he didn't even get to oh, do that yet. Oh. Ben, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I wasn't going to officially 2020 him. I wasn't going to officially 2020 him. We're still running. <laughs> Fuck you, Siobhan. Oh, that made my day. That was I'm so sorry. good. Oh. There's, a there's a threshold where Siobhan breaks at every episode. No, but I'm so happy because Siobhan started swearing in the last few episodes, and it's made me so happy. <laughs> that's like, the only thing that cuts through your bullshit. <laughs> I love it, though. I love it. I even told Scott I felt so proud that I brought the fucks out in you. <laughs> well, that's an accomplishment, so bravo there. You can put that on your musical resume. I pissed off Siobhan. <laughs> oh god but yeah so i mean you guys could just google me man i'm everywhere just um you can go to angel football what a california thing to say just google know, me man google me. <laughs> if you guys google can me, this, bitch. feel this hair flip you know <laughs> we'll, we'll, have, we'll have links up below this we'll thing. have links and the picture yeah. of you with your charvels yeah. that are yeah. fucking and, and amazing and no, and no, no, no vagina. vagina yeah and you can follow her on instagram too <laughs> 2020-d.com. <laughs> Thank you so much, Angel Vivaldi. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's Thank an absolute you. pleasure. Amazing. Had a blast. Thank you guys so Thanks, much. Thanks, Angel. Again. We appreciate your time, man. Mwah. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. 
Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.